Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. I'm excited to share with you as we finish up our sermon, uh, a Summer on the Mount series. We've been looking through the Sermon on the Mount, the great sermon of Jesus. And today we're looking at the very last thing that Jesus said. It's found here in Matthew chapter 7, so you can turn with me there. If you follow along in the app, make sure you click on the 11 o'clock notes. Uh, Pastor Doug Musa, our worship pastor, he did an amazing job at the 9 o'clock. Preached such an incredible message. Really hard to follow him, so I'm going to do my best. But we're going to look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. This is what it says. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man. Say wise man. Who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Say the rock. Everyone that hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and watch this and great was the fall of it. I want to preach a message to you today titled, Check Yourself. Check Yourself. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the opportunity to come and hear from you. God, I pray you speak to us today through your word. God, change our lives. We want to be different after encountering you. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus, he spent three chapters in the Bible just preaching these, this incredible message going through how it is to live in the kingdom, kind of a one-stop shop for theology and how to live life as a Christian. And then he gets to the very end and he gives an illustration. And he, and he says this, there's a wise man and there's a foolish man. So the wise man builds his house, the storm comes, the storm rages, but his house stands. And he says there's a foolish man and that same story comes. How do you know it doesn't matter if you're following Christ or running from? We're all going to experience storms in life. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Storms come in life. It says that there's a foolish man. That same storm came and it wiped his house down. Destroyed. Not just that it fell. The Bible says great was its fall. You know, we know something about the devastation of storms here in Louisiana. I think about the people who were affected in 2016 by that flood. I know my parents, they got four and a half feet of water in their house. I think about people, there's a lot of people probably in this room and the reason you're here is because of Katrina. And when Katrina came and the devastation that came, you had Gustav, the, the hurricane last year, or if you're like me in 2021, that random rainstorm that popped up and flooded different areas of Baton Rouge. Amanda and I, our house flooded and we, we were without a house for 10 months. We live with my parents and her parents. We got both in-laws in 10 months with a six-month-old. And you know, we, came, we still liked each other after that, and we liked our parents. It's a great deal. But we know the devastation that can come when you encounter a storm. We know how hard it is to pick up the pieces of your house and to put it back together and call an insurance and FEMA and trying so hard to just get your life back together after the devastation of the storm. But Jesus, he's not talking about just storms in the natural He's talking about our lives. He's saying you're going to experience storms in life. And when we experience these storms, there's only two options. There's a wise option and there's a foolish option. 
our house will either stand, our life will stand, or it'll crumble. And there's no in between. And so what is it that Jesus says is the difference between this wise man and this foolish man? What is it that makes the difference? And what the difference is, is how we handle the word of God. What we do when we encounter God's word is what makes the difference between our house standing through storms and crumbling. Because what he says, he says both of these people here, but their actions on the other side are different. And so we've got the right, have the right actions to make sure our house is built firmly so that it can stand through the storms. Because I don't know about you, I wanna be standing when the storm's gone. Our house has to be solid and on a firm foundation. If you've ever had the opportunity to build a house, you know the inspection process is just tedious. There's so many different inspections that has to pass, the framing inspection, everything, there's so many inspections. But at the very end, they have what's called blue tape day. You know what I'm talking about, blue tape day? Nobody, just me? So when you go to build, at the very end, you get this roll of painter's tape and the house is almost finished and you go and you start putting tape everywhere where there might be a problem, right? Maybe there's little paint chips like, oh, they're fixing that before I move in. Uh, this carpet, I don't like that. They're fixing that little edge before I move in. You just put it everywhere. I remember this is me and Amanda's first time ever doing this and we were like, thought we were catching everything and then our realtor, He's like, hey, did you see that? I'm like, I didn't, no, okay, no. It's like, oh, that's not a big deal. It's like, no, fix it. They put a police tape down, they're gonna fix it because you don't wanna move into a house that's not complete. You don't wanna move into a house that may have potential problems because when life happens and storms come, you wanna make sure your house stands. And so what you do, you put all this tape and you create a checklist of things that need to be checked before you move in to make sure your house is going to be solid. So today, today's our blue tape day. Today, we're gonna to create a checklist of things we need to look at, things we need to make sure we have in place so when that storm comes, we're good on the other side. And so the first thing we're gonna check, the first item on our checklist today is we're gonna check our obedience. Check your obedience. How many parents we have in the room? Raise your hands, wave at me. If you're watching online, type in the chat how many kids you have. You know, I, do you remember the first time your kid was just blatantly disobedient to you? This brought back some memories for some people. It's like, my kid, he, he's two and a half right now, almost three, and of course when they're young, they're one, you know, you tell them to do something, they don't do it, but they don't really understand, right? They don't really understand why they're not doing it, but there comes a time when they start to realize that they have a choice, and they can either choose to do what you say or not. And I'll never, I'll never forget this. In my living room of the house, he's playing with a big car in a little entertainment center, and it's getting really close to the edge. And I can see in his mind, he's thinking about pushing that thing over. It's like, I don't want this car to break. He likes the car. I don't want it to land on his foot and hurt him. So I just look at him and say, hey, don't push that off the edge. Don't push that down. I'll never forget this. He looked at me, looked at that car, looked back at me, and just smiled, just the cutest smile and just pushed it while looking right in my face. Just pushed it off, and then laughed about it. I found out that day, I don't operate in the fruit of the Spirit as much as I thought I did. I've still got a ways to go. How many of you know your kids will help sanctify you in your walk with Christ? Your kids will help you become more like Jesus, and so he, he did that, but the reality is you can't be too mad because you just expect kids to disobey, right? right? The first time your kids disobey, you don't 
get on the phone and call the doctor, say, doctor, I got a problem. My kid's disobedience. There any medicine for that? Wouldn't that be something, though? Man, that'd be incredible. But no, because you just expect kids to be disobedient because we are naturally disobedient. And when we encounter God's word, our natural flesh is going to be disobedient. We have to choose to be obedient. When we encounter God's word, our flesh is not always gonna wanna do what it says. We're gonna encounter it, whether it's through the preaching of God's word, whether we're reading God's word, maybe it's our uh, devotional, whatever it is, when we encounter this word, our natural inclination is to be disobedient, so we have to choose to obey. What I found in my life, and maybe this applies to you, uh, sometimes when I choose obedience, I have what I call Texas Day Brazil obedience. How many of y'all love Texas Day Brazil? I am convinced that in heaven, Chick-fil-A, Texas Day Brazil are the only options. And of course, on Sundays, just Texas Day Brazil. Now, I remember the first time I went to this place. I had heard rumors of how good it is, and it just blew my mind. It was incredible. I'm sitting down. They're bringing all this food. It's on spears, people. It's on spears. They're coming out, and they're carving it onto your plate. I'm like, this is unbelievable. They're walking around. like, you can have as much as you want. I was like, as much as I want. It's unbelievable. They came and they said, do you want filet mignon wrapped in bacon? Yes. Do you want two? I just started weeping tears. I'm just kidding. But it's just, it's just an incredible place. They just bring all this amazing food. And I was like, I've got to do this again. The only problem is it's really not that cheap of a place. And so I just started saving. Man, I'll go to, like, I'd go without food. I'll, I'll go eat at the dollar menu. I'll do whatever I can so I can save up some money to go to this place. The first time I went, I said yes to everything. They brought it. I wanted to try it. And it's all good, but the more I was able to go over the years, the more I kind of decided, hey, this stuff is better to me than this other stuff. And so watch this. Things that I wanted to partake in and liked, I said yes to. Things that I didn't so much want to partake in, didn't really like as much, I said no to. And isn't that how we handle God's word sometimes? We read God's word and we're like, ooh, I like this part. This is good. Oh, I like this. I'm going to obey this, but that over there, mm, not so much. You know, the Bible says, pray without ceasing. You know, you want to have peace in your life. Don't worry. Just pray, and you'll have peace. Sounds good to me. I will obey that. Love your enemies? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> It's a little harder, and so that's what we do. We kind of start going through the Bible. We start picking and choosing what it is that we want to obey or not obey. But here's the thing. Partial obedience is just disobedience. If we choose what we're wanting to do, we're not really obeying what God's saying to do. Because what God didn't say in this illustration is those who hear my words and do what they like, those who hear my words and do what makes them feel good, those who hear my words and do what they agree with, he says, those who hear them and do them, their house stands. He said, those who hear them and don't do them, their house crumbles. So partial obedience, it's not obedience. It's just disobedience. And so we have to learn to obey everything, but, but why is it hard? Because there's some things that don't make sense. There's some parts of the Bible, when you read it and you look at your world, it just doesn't make sense. I think about when Jesus says, if you want to be first, be last. So, like, Jesus, you ever run a race in your life? Like, I've come last a lot. No one ever came and patted me on the back and said, you did it. Here's the medal. 
Didn't happen. I come in first a couple of times. I got the medal. You know what we did the other team? Ha ha, bye. We won, you didn't. But Jesus says, hey, no, the first will be, because that doesn't make sense in the natural, but it makes sense in the kingdom. It, it, it makes total sense in the kingdom. And so it's hard to always obey because sometimes you encounter things that don't make sense. But you think we just go, okay, whatever. I'm just going to obey because look at the promise that we read. You obey, your life stands when the storm comes and it's coming. You disobey and then the storm comes and your life begins to crumble. So you think we just go, oh, I'm just going to obey. I'll say it this way. Obedience to things you don't understand is easy when there's trust. Disobedience is always a symptom of lack of trust. When we trust fully, it's really easy to obey. But when we don't trust, when something has taken our trust, it's hard to do what it says. I think about in the workplace, you know, if you have a good relationship with your boss, if you fully trust your boss, when they come and say, hey, I need you to do X, Y, Z, and you're like, that doesn't make sense, but you trust them, it's easy to say, okay, I'll do it for you. But some of you, I know, you probably work for people you didn't really trust. They, they didn't seem to have your best interest or anything, and they come to ask you things, you're like, ah, I don't know. I, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can do what you're saying because I don't trust you. I mean, think about in a relationship, you're married. If you trust your spouse, man, life's easy, but if there's a breach of trust, things get hard. And so when it comes to God, he wants us to trust him. And it's the only way we'll fully obey what his word says if we have full trust in him. And so if we have to obey in order for our house to be built on a solid foundation, and in order to obey, we have to have full trust, how then can we know that we can trust God? How can we know that we can trust everything that word says is good for us? All you have to do is look at the cross. All you have to do is look to the cross because there you'll learn you can trust God. Because if God, who is perfect, would look down at you and at me and see our sin, our wickedness, only things that separate us from God, if he would look down and in love send his son to come down and live a perfect life and die on a cross, a criminal's death that we deserve, even though he was with no sin, he would die the most brutal and painful death that maybe ever created in this world and rise again three days later, all that so we who are wicked can have relationship restored back to the Father. If he would do that while we are sinners, how much more can we trust him that we are now sons and daughters. If I can trust that he would save me when I was a sinner, now that I'm a son, I can read this book and go, this doesn't make sense, but I trust you. God, I, I don't quite get it, but I trust you. God, you're saying to stop and wait. I, I don't understand, but Lord, I trust you. God, the world says you have to be first, but God, I trust you. God, the, the world, the finance are all crazy, but God, I trust you with my tithe. It doesn't make any sense, but God, I trust you because you saved me when I couldn't save myself. And if we trust him, we can obey him. And if we obey him, what are we doing? We're building our life on the rock. So the first thing we're gonna check, we're gonna check our obedience. Second thing we're gonna check, we're gonna check our foundation. We're gonna check our foundation. My son, he loves to play with blocks. He got these 
big Legos. He likes to build things. He always comes to me, Dad, do you want to build a castle? Do you want to build a tower? I'm like, sure, let's do it. And so I, I start trying to build. I'm like, no, 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 no. We're going to do it my way. He's so stubborn. I have no idea where he gets it from. No clue. I think you do it my way. Oh, no, let me build you a, a strong base so we can build it. No, no, no. He likes to start with the little blocks. Like these little single cubes. He likes to start with those and start to build. But then he likes to put the bigger blocks on the little blocks because he doesn't understand physics. I try to teach him. No clue. He, he's building this tower, but it always crumbles because his base is not strong. And it doesn't matter what you want to build, what kind of house or life you want to build. If your base is not strong, what's on the outside will crumble because of the condition on the inside. And so we have to learn how to check our own foundation to make sure what we're building on top of it will last. You know, my grandparents, they had a house for 20 plus years. This is a beautiful house. They had all our family events there. And they had a foundation problem. And if you've experienced a foundation problem, you know, it, it, it's not anything to laugh at. Like, it's a big deal. And they had a crack on their foundation from the front door all the way to the back door. Their house was splitting in half. But do you know what the crazy thing is? If you'd have driven by at any point that this foundation before uh, it was fixed, you would have no idea just looking on the outside of the house. You'd have no clue. You'd look, go by and say, man, that is a beautiful house. That looks incredible. Maybe if you were a foundation expert, you could go and you could look and you could see that, oh, no, something's a little off. But just a normal person would drive by and look at that house and say, there's nothing wrong with that house, having no idea it was literally cracking in half. And what's crazy about this story is Jesus doesn't tell us anything about the houses. He just tells us about the foundations, which leads us to believe that the house that the foolish man had and the house that the wise man had were identical. They looked the same on the outside, but one was in a bad place on the inside. And this is scary really for two reasons. One is because we can look for things from the world and say, oh, they have a nice house. I want what they have and have no idea that we're building upon a foundation that's just going to crumble. That we can look out and see all these people with incredible houses, incredible lives, all these things that the world says, oh, you can go get this. And we run after those things, trying to build the best house possible without tending to our own foundation. And it doesn't matter how nice your house is that you end up building, how nice your life is that you end up building. If your foundation isn't checked and isn't inspected and in a good place, it will crumble. So often we're chasing houses instead of chasing foundations. And the second reason I think this is really scary is because you can look at your own life and be deceived. Because you can look and say, everything's good around me, so my foundation must be perfect. And that's not true. This is why King David writes in the Bible, he says, search me, O God. Search my heart. Is there anything wicked in me? Know my ways, God. Is there anything that doesn't line up with you? If there is, get it out. What's David doing? He's checking his foundation. He's saying, Lord, is, Lord, is there any part of my foundation that is cracked? God, is there any part of my foundation that is on sand? God, is there anything in me that would cause me to crumble? We have to be good at looking on the inside and saying, God, check my foundation. Check my heart check my life. Just because things are going good on the outside, God, what's, what's going on on the inside? Because I want to catch it before the storm comes. I want the foundation to be good before the storm gets here. You know, with my grandparents' house, one of the ways we started noticing something was wrong was doors started sticking. 
there's just doors that start sinking. And this is a little side tangent, but I believe this is for someone here today that God has called you to a door that you know you're supposed to walk through. You know you're supposed to walk, not yet you're in a hallway trying to check which door it is. You know that you know that this door is for you and it's stuck. And, you're, and maybe someone in here, you're even giving up saying, this can't be God. But what God's saying to you today is the reason it's stuck is because your foundation is messed up. And he's saying, what's on the other side of that door? If I let you walk through what's on the other side of the door, your foundation would be able to handle the weight that comes with it. If you get your foundation in a good place, that door will swing right open. Doors started sticking, there are cracks, there are little things, but what we didn't know is that the foundation was crumbling. We thought there were problems to be fixed, but what they really were were symptoms of a bigger problem. And it didn't matter how many times we rehung the door, which we did. My grandparents shaved the top of the door, said close, like we did all these things. It just kept getting worse. Why? Because it wasn't problems, it was symptoms. But we do the same thing in our life sometimes. As we look at things, we say, oh, those are problems. I need to fix this problem. But the reality is those are just symptoms of a much bigger issue in our heart. We look at our marriage, like, I, I want to fix this marriage. And, and maybe sometimes it's just a problem, but sometimes it might be a symptom of a much bigger problem in your heart. Maybe it's with your kids, maybe your relationship. There's all these things, they're just symptoms. And you can treat them as much, much as you want, but they won't get better until God fixes your foundation. Once your foundation is fixed, then you can actually treat the problem and fix it for good. Because they kept fixing the door, and what happened? The door kept sticking. We gotta fix the foundation before we can address those problems. But here's the good news. My grandparents, they called a foundation repair company. They called that company up. That company came out, fixed their foundation. House was good as new. Everything was great. Door started closing. They were able to fix all their problems. Everything looked good as new. And can I tell you, church, we serve a God who is great at foundation repairs. We serve a God who can fix foundations. It doesn't matter how bad the problem is, he can fix it. He's never seen a foundation that he's thought, That's, you can't fix that. No, 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 he can fix everything, and he also loves to fix the house that may have crumbled with it. He loves to come in and repair things. He loves to come in and build a new, maybe sometimes, hey, I'm getting rid of all of this, and we're gonna start fresh. It might be that we need to get all of this out, or maybe, hey, I'm gonna fix this and rebuild on what you did have, but he loves to fix things. But here's the thing, we gotta bring it to him. We have to bring it to him. We have to come to God with our foundation, say, God, I've got a crack right here. Can you fix this? God, I've realized that I'm building this part of my life on the sand. Can you fix this? And he will. He'll never turn you away. But here's the thing, it may hurt. When he begins to fix the foundation of your soul, it may be painful. Because what he may do is say, hey, that house you've been trying to build, I don't like any part of that house. I need to build a brand new house. And so you have to be willing when you come with this foundation, say, God, I'm willing for you to get rid of anything you want. I'm willing for you to take full ownership of what was there and build what you want. I'm sick of chasing after the world and chasing after the things and building what I want. God, I want you to build what you want. If you care about the foundation, if you make the foundation the most important thing, God will build the right house for you. God will take your house and he'll build the house that you need. But if you tried to build your house on your own, 
Most likely you're building on sand. Chase the foundation. Check your foundation. Ask yourself, am I building my life on what God's word says? Is that what I'm using to build my life on or am I building my life on what the world says? If you build your life on what God's word says and then you're obedient to what God's word says, your house will stand and it will last the test of time. So we check our obedience, we check our foundation, and the last thing we check is we check our response. We check our response. I wanna read the last couple of verses here. So Jesus has finished teaching and let's look and see what the people have to say. Matthew 7, 28 and 29. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished, say astonished, at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. And so they, they come, they hear this amazing message and their mind is just blown. They never heard anything like this. They, they had never heard a teaching quite like this. And it says they're not anything like their scribes. So put in perspective for us, it would like be saying, not like anything the world says. They heard a teaching that was unlike anything else. And they were astonished. My question to you today is when you encounter God's word, are you astonished? Are you in awe of what God's word says? Or is it just kind of another book you encounter? Are you in awe of the messages that are preached and the gospel is proclaimed? Or is it just another motivational speech? They were in awe. And why? Because of the authority of God's word. God's word had authority. They had never heard anything like this. Do you know that God's word has authority? The same power that lived in the words of God that brought the very world to existence. When God spoke and there was light and there was earth and water, that same power lives in this book. In every single word, that's where it lives. Are you astonished by the authority it has? Do you even know the authority that it can speak into your life, that it can speak into your heart, how it can change everything about you? But what's crazy is if you keep reading Matthew, you realize these same people who were astonished and dismayed later end up turning on Jesus. What happened? They lost their awe and wonder. You know, when you first come to Jesus and you're first getting saved, he's just doing all this work in your life. It's easy to have such awe and wonder. I remember when I was called into ministry, man, God changed my life. And I remember a message that was spoken. I, the, the person speaking said, don't be lukewarm anymore. You gotta go all in or you're all out. And I said, God, I'm all in. Changed my life. And I remember reading God's word, coming here on Sundays, hearing God's word, worshiping. And it was just, every time I read, my eyes were open. It's like, I, this is unbelievable. This is incredible. How have I never seen this before? But fast forward a little bit and, Life happens and things get mundane and life goes on and all of a sudden, my quiet time's just a check mark. All of a sudden, Sunday sermons, don't, they don't seem to be doing as much for me as they used to. And if I'll just be honest, in the pride that was in me, sometimes I thought I could do better. I could preach better. What happened? I, 
I lost my awe and wonder because I'd forgotten its authority. If you know the authority of God's word, even if you can spend a moment in it, it can change everything. If you could hear just a snippet of it from the stage, it could change everything. You couldn't, you can't walk into a moment of encountering God's word and lead the same if you remember its authority. And what I've found is if you don't have any awe and wonder, you're not astonished by it, very rarely will you be obedient to it. And if you're not obedient to it, you're probably not checking your foundation. And what happens? You crumble. But if you remember the authority, you remember your awe and wonder, and you obey because you trust, and you check your foundation. If you do those things, when that storm comes, you know the only result is you'll be standing on the other side. You're going to make it. I feel like there's someone in here you need to hear. You can make what you're going through. You can make it through. Because your life will be built on Jesus. And we, we know, we talked about earlier, we know the devastation of storms. But what's crazy is when we see these storms come in, what are we really attracted to? The things that made it. I remember leading a trip of people. We went to Pensacola when that big storm hit a few years ago. And we were going, and just all these trees were just snapped in half. We would go by and there would be buildings that were just gone. All you saw was the slab, just gone. I mean, devastation. It was crazy in all those trees. You see that one tree just standing there. You see all these buildings knocked over in one building like it hadn't even been a storm. And you're like, what in the world? I tell you, the same thing happens to us when we go through storms and we make it because our house is built on Jesus, because we're obedient, we're checked our foundation and we haven't lost our awe and wonder and we're making, you know what people are gonna do? How did you do that? I saw the devastation all around you. How did you make it? Because I built my life on Jesus. And people will be drawn to you because God is so good that can, he can use the very storm that looked like it will destroy you to make you stand and draw people to him. We can make it. If we do these things, we can make it. Do you receive that this morning? Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.